Delco. What is Delco? Urban Dictionary, maybe the best definition of any place in the history of any place. Delco is the nickname for Delaware County, not just a place to live, it's a way of life. Delco isn't something you obtain with a short visit while you're passing through. Never has been, or don't actually live here, you just won't understand. Delco is something you can spot across the bar while out of town. Speaking of bars, there's 42 to 1 ratio when it comes to bars to libraries. And it's cool to be a 26-year-old bar back. You're just waiting for your big break. Delco people love being from Delco. I don't know if there's anything special from Delco, except being a Delco guy, I kind of like it. Everybody and welcome in for the fifth episode of Delco Baseball now with your host Brendan Ricciardi recording here from my lovely home in Westchester, Pennsylvania. Just trying not to wake up my mom and dad so they don't yell at me. But we got a nice weekend of Delco League action here. Not too many games, but we had some really good ones that we are going to look at in a sec. We also have a very good interview coming up in a little bit with Eric Genther. He just finished his freshman season at the University of Rhode Island, and he is a graduate of the Haverford School. Honestly, that was some of the most fun I've ever had doing an interview. That was that was a really cool perspective to hear, just you know how he operates and and how he was preparing himself for playing Division One baseball, and also just you know going straight from catcher to left field with almost no warning whatsoever. That we'll get into in a little bit, and you know just just how real he was with the fact that you know it can be hard sometimes, and and you know even people that. You know, you might view as, as being on top of the world, like, you know, they get nervous too. And and that's something that I think you'll really enjoy hearing in a little bit. But we'll get things started as usual. Some of the recap of the Delco League games from the past few days. Last time we were on the air here, we just finished up some games from Thursday night, so we'll get started with what eventually ended up being our only game on Friday night, which took place at Chester High School. That was between Chester Clippers and the Wayne baseball team. That was the second half of a home-and-home that it started on Wednesday with a 7-5 Wayne win. So we'll go into this game here with the starting pitchers on the mound for Wayne. It was Aiden Weitzel, who pitches for Widener, so he was feeling pretty close to home just being in Chester where Widener is and uh, on a field that he has proclaimed is better than the Widener field. And I'll tell you what, that Chester field always looks gorgeous. I might go as far as to say it, it might be the best field in the league. Devin Prep's obviously great too. O'Hara, I mean, it's it's nice if you're a hitter uh, in, in terms of the distance. But, you know, I think Chester just – they had the, the alternating light and dark grass lines cut, man – McShane and his guys do a great job getting that field together. But in this game, Aiden Weitzel threw four shutout innings for Wayne, and then Billy Ford came in relief and allowed only one. The Wayne offense put up seven runs. We had a couple big days here. Stephen Wells drove in two. Nate Sides for the second straight game drove in three, I might add. That was six RBIs in this home-and-home alone for Sides, who was kind of going back and forth between second base and shortstop with Luke Mutz to try to figure out what they like, but you know, from my completely unbiased perspective, I I think they'll be completely fine either way. Uh, and in this game, you know, the Chester offense really never got going. You know, the the middle of the order is definitely starting to look a lot better for them because they got Jared Spraglot from Richmond, they got Mark Gervaisi, they got Eric Lugman. Like this team, you know, it, it, they got a little bit of meat in the middle of the order, but they just weren't getting it done. Weitzel was doing a really good job keeping everything low, getting a lot of ground outs. You know, he's not like the biggest strikeout pitcher. I mean, four and four innings isn't bad, but it's, you know, it's not what he relies on. He trusts the fact that he's got a really good defense behind him. And, and it worked out in this game for him. So it's a seven, one final for Wayne. And, uh, they had another big game coming up, which we'll get to in a little bit, but we'll start off with Saturday because once again, we only had one game on Saturday. That was the Springfield Colonials and the upper Derby blue Sox. It was the fourth game of the year between them. 
So these teams have already played four times, which is all that they'll have throughout the season. And Springfield won the first three meetings. So if they were to finish with the same record in second place, Springfield's already got that tiebreaker. But it was all upper derby in this one. It was a 12-1 final score for the Blue Sox. They were all over David Schumacher. Some infield errors didn't really help out the cause as well. But, you know, it was just not the Colonials' day. Put Just to put it like that, you know, they there was a seven-run inning for Upper Darby in the bottom of the second. And, and, you know, it wasn't just, you know, there was walks, there was errors, there was hits. Like, it, it was kind of just like the perfect storm of playing awful baseball. And, you know, sometimes in the Delco League you'll get that on Saturdays. You know, people uh, people enjoyed themselves on a Friday. It is what it is. You know, it's a, it's a long season. But Upper Darby was able to get on the board. Sammy Berman with a two-run triple. He's going to Hofstra next year. Christian Strickland reached on an error, and, you know, that just kind of extended the inning. Base hit, another error, wild pitch. Like, all all of these things, you know, Upper Darby was able to capitalize on, and I was able to watch this game. I limped my way out to the outfield. I got to see for the first time that Upper Darby championship banner on the right field fence. You know, I may be a part of the old Wayne baseball team now, but I was still on Upper Darby last year, so that was pretty cool to get to see that in person. But, you know, as we'll get to on our next slate of games here, they are the enemy now, so... It is what it is, and uh, and we gotta you know just go with that. But final score here, twelve to one on the mound here. Aiden O'Brien, another Widener pitcher. As as I said on uh, on the graphic that I have on the Instagram and Twitter. If you don't follow them, give them a follow at Delco Baseball. If your name is Aiden and you pitch for Widener, it's been a pretty good twenty four hours for you. He threw five and a third, only let up the one run, and he got Johnny Gonzalez to come out of the pen for you. Just an absolute stallion. After that pinch hit game winning double the other day, he's always ready in relief for you. So they went seven innings, only allowed the one earned run, and they allowed their offense to get to work, and they did just that. So that's a twelve to one final for the Blue Sox. Springfield still takes a season series three to one, but that's a big game because Upper Darby now has one less loss than them, and uh, and that's kind of hopefully by the end of the year we'll get some drama. You know, I, I as much as I'm part of Wayne I'm, I'm covering the league as a whole and content is what the people want and I think that is a, a good segue into talking about how apparently the playoff format has changed this year so in the past when there's been seven teams it's been like the old NFL style playoffs where the seven seeds out the three plays the six and the four plays the five well the while the top two teams have a bye but apparently now we have a wild card game, which has just been added this year, where the six seed will play the seven seed, and then the tournament will proceed the way that it had originally done. Now, I kind of have mixed feelings about this for a couple of reasons. One, I feel like a one-game playoff can be a bit of a fluke, where if if the six seed has a sizable lead over the seven seed, which is the case right now for Marple, it, it doesn't really seem fair to me to make that into a one-game playoff. But with that being said, from a content side of things, a one-game playoff is going to be awesome. I mean, elimination games are just unbelievable, especially in this league when you know you, you've played that stretch of 24 games and and to get into the postseason, a wild card game would be very interesting. And, and I do think that going forward, you know, it it will be good for teams to continue to get guys showing up because you know in this format, if if you're Marple right now. You start to fall out of it a little bit. Guys are going to stop showing up. It's just not going to be competitive. So at the very least, you keep the teams playing. You know, I, I just got to say that it's it's good everybody will be playing postseason baseball. I'm sure I'll be at this wild card game uh, whenever it happens, wherever it happens. But I don't know. I, I'm, I'm interested to see how the league responds to it. But, you know, more more fun playoff baseball is good enough for me. All right, so we had two games on this Sunday slate here. We'll go back to... Uh, Devin Prep here. We got Upper Darby taking on Wayne, and Upper Darby with a big road win, three to two on the road. A two-run homer by Josh Hankins was really the difference in this game, and it was in an inning where there was two outs. It was a full count, runner on third, and you know you're told to just get the job done. Well, two-run homer still a job too, and and in a three-two game, man, that was that was a really really big moment there, especially because you're you're doing that off of a pitcher like Ant Ely, who has been just almost unhittable in the league. In 20 innings, he'd only let up one earned run going into this game, and Josh got him for a two-run shot there. 
That made it a three to one game. And then Johnny Fitzpatrick and Ben Thorpe were both able to shut the door. Ben was a guy who missed the entire season last year because of an elbow injury, had to watch the team win the championship the one year that he hasn't been able to play when he's been on that team for a little while. And, you know, he wants to come and get his own. And three shutout innings against the first place team when you're still in the hunt to get that bye, bye week is big. And, you know, the, the offense outside of that one inning for Upper Darby didn't do too much, but they didn't have to. It was a very clean game overall for the most part. There were only two errors, and that, you know, that didn't end up costing Upper Darby because they, they were both made by them. But just going down the box score, you know, Adam Fine has been a nice pickup. Uh, for for the Blue Sox, he's got five hits over the last two days. He's a outfielder for St. Joe's, and he's been playing left field for them. So that's a nice pickup from them as well. Steve Tyson's been battling some knee problems, but he is still producing in the DH spot. He still had two hits today, and you know it, it's something where it, it stinks for them to not be able to have his glove in the infield. But with that being said, if you can still have his bat in the lineup, they have enough guys. Like you're getting Matt Query, who is a natural shortstop that is able to move over to second because you have Josh Hankins moving back to short now and then Buscalia playing third. So it, it it's not the, it's something that they're able to overcome. It's just, you know, really unfortunate. And, you know, you look at Wayne offensively, Stephen Wells, two hits. Matt Briner had two hits. Stephen Wells, the biggest moment of this game besides the home run from Hankins was most likely it's the bottom of the seventh. Matt Briner gets on base to lead things off with a little base hit to left field. And Stephen Wells hits a ball about 200 miles an hour right at Andrew Yates' head. And he's <laughs> he's able to get his glove out. I think the old cliche that the ball caught him was pretty fitting for this one. But he was able to double off Briner at first. And that kind of shut down any momentum that Wayne had trying to get that comeback. But it was a 3-2 final for Upper Darby. They improved to 11-5 on the year. Now, due to the point system, they're still a point behind Springfield. But if they are able to win those two games, they would in in turn have more points than them. So that's something to monitor going forward that race. It's it's kind of turned into a three-team race for the two bye week spots between Wayne, Upper Darby, and Springfield. You know, that's that's a big deal, being able to avoid that three-game series. All right, last game of the weekend here. We had Springfield taking on Narberth at what I would imagine is either Bonner or the Narberth playground. It wasn't uh, quite sure. I didn't get to see that one. Uh, game changer isn't quite telling me that information, but this was a really good game. It was a game where Andrew Cantwell and Jimmy Wygo were talking about two former Marple Newtown pitchers. They're both lefties, and they both play elite college baseball. Jimmy Wygo is going to Monmouth next year, and Andrew Cantwell is playing for Westchester and was a big part of that World Series run. Andrew Cantwell let up only three runs. He pitched a complete game, and he picked up five strikeouts. Jimmy Wygo, six and a third, only three runs. It was, it was a good matchup by them. It was it was good to be able to keep the bullpens out of it for them. And this game, we'll pick it up in the top of the seventh. It's a 1-1 game at this point. And Sean Phelan, bases clearing double for the big first baseman from Penn. And he's been big for them recently. He, he's had some big knocks. And it doesn't really get bigger than that bases clearing double there. But the game was not over. It got real spicy. So... Springfield gets all three runs on that double, so it's 4-1 to one going into the bottom of the seventh. Narbrough's able to get two on a base hit from Dylan Can, and Springfield was able to get out of the jam. That's a gutsy win. You're on the road. You get that big emotional hit and to let up the two runs in the bottom of the inning and to be able to respond and still pick up that win. It's very impressive, and that's a good win for Steve Trainer and his team. It's a good rebound, especially after they played the way they did against Upper Darby just the day before, to be able to have that type of you know guts to try and and keep that you know from becoming a bad skid is really impressive. So that's a four to three win for Springfield to improve to eleven six and one, and you know it's just been a tough break of late for the Mudcats. That's a team that's been playing a lot better, and they're getting a lot more talented, but they just haven't been able to translate that to wins yet and they're about middle of the pack you know if if you were to ask me in terms of just the way the league's gone I think there's three tiers I think there's the tier of Wayne Upper Darby and Springfield that have all played each other really well and really close in most of their games throughout the year there's the tier of Aston Chester and Narberth the teams that are both you know they're all around that same spot you know they're two of them are likely going to play each other in the first round in that four or five game one way or another. 
and they're teams that have shown flashes but haven't really been able to patch it all together. But that's what the, the stretch run of the season's for. You know, the, the league has a very interesting way to go where you, you need six appearances in 24 games to be able to play in the playoffs. Whether those appearances are pinch running, playing the field for an inning, getting at bat, it doesn't matter as long as you are in the game. So we're getting to the point where some guys are coming back from these elite-level college baseball leagues like Jared Spraglot, Cape Cod League, guys in the ACBL, like all over the place, the Hamptons, all over the place, guys are coming back and they're looking for somewhere to play. So next thing you know, we're rushing to get these guys' appearances and it, it gets pretty interesting by the end of the year. It's all about the commitment of the guys and what they're you know, willing to do to be able to get to these games and be ready for the playoffs. But I think there's going to be a lot of rosters that are, are getting some late reinforcements. And it does bring up the age-old dilemma where it's like, if you've had a guy that's been producing for you all year and you know someone flashy comes down from a big league and, and takes their spot, you know, it, it's, it is tough uh, in, you know, in the clubhouse for that. But at the same time, you know, you're here to win. And at the end of the day, you know, whoever puts you in the best spot is going to be the one that you know gets the call. But with that being said, don't let them take your spot. You know that's always been the philosophy that you kind of have to adapt. But you know, it's I think if you're holding that trophy at the end of the year, it doesn't really matter how how you get there. It's going to feel pretty nice. But I guess that'll uh, that'll wrap up the Delco Lee talk uh, for this week. Here we got another big big slate. I know for Wayne, we have Monday, Wednesday, Thursday. I think Saturday. Um, I'll, I'll take this as a quick uh, quick second to plug the Big 26 Showcase coming up this weekend in Harrisburg. I, I work for them. We got two Delco guys going. For those who don't know what it is, it's Team Pennsylvania plays Team Maryland. It's a three-game series at the Harrisburg Senator Stadium. It's the uh, AA affiliate of the Washington Nationals. It's a really cool event. Uh, some Delco League guys were in it last year. Sammy Berman, Mike Valente. We got two Delco guys. We got Sam Milligan from Strathaven. We got Andrew Van Horn from Garnet Valley. So make sure to uh, make sure to stay updated on that. You know, it's always cool to see these Delco guys. One thing I do want to try and do is get a little bit more into the, you know, the showcase team. I know like the main few teams, you know, there's Ascent, there's uh, Bell Ringers, there's uh, On Deck. So just try to keep up Canes. I, I know it's not like as common around here for guys to, to play for them, but I know uh, Kevin McGonigal has been doing really well for them throughout the this summer. And it's, you know, it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool to see guys going out and competing on the big stage, you know, going out of Georgia, Jersey, you know, Carolina, wherever it is, um, and just, you know, kind of putting Delco on the map. All right, with that being said here, let's get into the interview for the day, and let's welcome on Eric Genther. All right, we are now joined by Eric Genther, who played his high school baseball at the Haverford School, now plays for the University of Rhode Island. Eric, welcome to the program. Thanks for coming on. Brendan, thanks for having me on. It's great to be here. Yeah, of course. Now, you are currently spending your summer playing baseball up in the Hamptons for the Southampton Breakers of the Hampton Collegiate Baseball League. So how's that whole experience been for you so far? Yeah, um, it's been really great so far, to be completely honest. You know, um, I was lucky enough to be placed kind of right in the heart of the Hamptons in Southampton. Um, and it, it was a place that I've never been before. So, you know, I'm in we're living with the host family. I'm living with one of my buddies from school. Um, and this place has just been, you know, it's obviously a beautiful area. Um, there's a lot to do here and the team's great. And then aside from that, the baseball aspect. You know, we're playing every day, good competition, um, great coaches. And uh, the league does a lot to, to support the players. Um, you know, we, we, we run camps and we do things for the community. So it's, it's been really cool my first summer of uh, going away. You know, I've played in the Delco League for two years before this and, and had the time of my life. But this is it's a little bit different, but it's been great so far. Yeah, I also saw that you got the chance to play in the All-Star game up there. So how was that, you know, experience? That must have been pretty cool. It was it was really cool. Um, you know, things like that, you you meet a lot of kids from basically around the country, you know, during summer leagues. You know, we have 
kids that I've met all the way from the West Coast. There's a couple kids on my team that are from like San Diego, uh, LA, you know, places like that. So that to me is the coolest takeaway that I've had so far is like just getting to meet guys that really come from basically all over the country. And, and you also really see how talented, you know, all levels of baseball are. Cause that's one thing about the Hamptons is we've got, you know, D one through Juco up and down the league and uh, really everybody can play. I mean, I know to people that follow baseball closely, that's not really new knowledge. You know, everybody knows that college baseball at any level is super competitive, but, you know, getting to play against all these different kids, you really see that, you know, everybody's really on the same playing field and it's, uh, it's been really cool. Yeah, man, you're talking to a club baseball player that has to spend all of his time trying to defend, you know, all lower levels, whether it's Juco, whether it's D3, you know, anything. But, you know, one thing I've been liking talking to these guys about that I've been able to talk to so far is just the time commitment that you're putting in to play in a league like this. So I know earlier before we started recording, you said you were off today, but what would like a normal starting day look like for you? Uh, just, you know, from beginning to end. Yeah. So for us, um, you know, all of our games are at five. Um, and in general, we, we play around five times a week usually. Um, so we play, we'll start at five home game BPs at two thirty. Um, so I'll personally, I'll get up around nine thirty, ten. 10, uh, hit the gym, you know, get a, get a workout in and then come back, you know, eat, make food and then head over to the field. Uh, we take BP and then as the other team hits, we go get lunch as a team, you know, they let us go, we leave, um, come back, you know, line the field, take care of everything. Um, and then from there you play, uh, you know, usually games are, they can go pretty long, you know, three and a half hours usually is what we've been having recently. And then uh, if you have a game tomorrow, you come back and try and get to sleep early and get after it the next day. Yeah, man, it's a grind all summer long. Now, how would you say that the crowd atmospheres compare to what you would usually see while playing college baseball? I, from what I've seen so far, it's uh, it's a little different at every place. You know, there's a couple teams that are kind of off the beaten path, you know, so they don't get as much. But, um, you know, when you get the big crowds, you know, you get a lot of little kids, like a lot of families. Um, and to those kids, you know, it's like these kids are like these guys playing are like almost like superheroes. And they'll come up to you and just like, you know, beg you for a baseball or, or for an autograph or something like that. And it, it really is cool to be able to interact with those kids and just see like the smile that, that you can put on their face just from, you know, giving them a ball that like was in your bag, you know, they don't know any better. And it's, it's really cool when, when you get big groups of, of the community to come out. That's really got to keep you humbled seeing all those kids there, doesn't it? It does. It does. Because a lot of them, you know, will ask you, you know, like, like, where do you play? Like, what position do you play? Like, are you going to the MLB? You know, that's the question you always get. Like, are you going to be in the MLB? And you're like, well, hopefully one day, you know, but, um, yeah, it's, it's awesome, you know, but it, 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 it shows you that it, to me, it almost reminds me of what I, I mean, every kid was probably like this, but it, it kind of reminds me of what I was, you know, seeing, you know, I would walk up to Dermon Park when I was like eight, nine, ten, and, and see the UDHL field and just like the, the 15, 16 year olds playing there. And I'd be like, like those kids are just like larger than life, you know? So it's, it's awesome. I want to switch gears here and talk about your first season at Rhode Island. And the the first thing I noticed was you were not catching. So what happened there? I was not. So, um, you know, I was catching throughout the fall and we had, um, you know, we really had four, four really good catchers on the roster. Um, you know, not including myself. And, uh, we had a fifth year who obviously was really good. And then we had a, a red shirt freshman who also was, was really good. And um, so going into the season, you know, the four of us could all, all, all we could all hit pretty well um, or at least had hit well in the fall. And, you know, they had expressed to us before the season that they were going to try to have us all in the lineup, but it was probably going to look a little bit different. Um, so for me personally, I started, um, my, when I played my first games, I was in the DH spot, um, which let me say was pretty sweet. You know, I had gone from catching every game in high school 
And then, you know, they're like, all you have to do is hit. And uh, I was loving it for a while. And unfortunately, we had uh, a couple injuries at catcher or, at, excuse me, in the outfield. Um, so eventually they said, like, you know, Ganther, you better learn how to play outfield because you're just going out there. And uh, I was terrified at first, to be completely honest. I was like out there. I was out there praying they don't hit the ball to me or, you know, just just don't hit me a, a really high fly ball. And uh, my actually my second start in the outfield was against Tennessee. And I, and I tell you, I was I was really scared, man. I was. Um, but as the year went on, I, you know, I stayed out there and it wasn't fantastic. But, you know, by the end of it, I was not too much of a liability. You know, I could make the routine plays. Um, and I actually, you know, started to like it a little bit, you know, it was, it's a, it's a nice switch going from, especially catching in college, you know, every practice you're catching bullpens or, you know, doing blocking drills and, and catching work and things like that. So it, it can be a lot, but, um, yeah, essentially we had two really good guys back there and, uh, even our starting shortstop was a really good catcher. He ended up playing short for the whole second half of the season. Um, and he could be a draft pick now. So it was, um, it was it all took shape eventually and it uh, it worked out for all of us so it was good you know i got to watch Kyle Schwarber and Nick Castellanos play outfield every day for the Phil so i mean it, it can't be that bad right <laughs> it wasn't that bad you know um i had some Odubel Herrera moments out there in the beginning but uh after that you know i i could catch a couple balls you know i uh at Tennessee there was a ball that it was hit right at me. It was just like a line drive, one hopper. And I just, I thought I was in my glove. And then next thing you know, it's, it's through my legs at the fence and all the fans are screaming and you're getting chirped by this like big crowd. And it's, it was a humbling experience for sure, but it was really cool. It was, it was a learning moment. Man, that's gotta be tough too. learning on the fly in front of SEC crowds as well. Yeah, it was, it was it was tough and especially like just like going from playing at the Hereford School, which like, you know, it's this little tight boxed in field to, you know, we actually played at Auburn before we went to Tennessee. And, um, you know, they obviously had one of the most beautiful stadiums in college baseball and and they bring out a crowd and they let you hear it, too. And it's uh, it's fun. You know, it's it's cool to see like how passionate some fan bases are about, you know, college baseball, which is obviously really cool that, um, you know, it, this was our first couple of weeks of the season. So like as a freshman, I was like wide eyed, you know, a little, little shaky knees walking up to the plate every time, knowing that if you strike out, you're not going to hear the end of it until the next day. So it was, uh, it was, it was really awesome to have that experience. So young. Now, I remember when I wrote the article about, I honestly forget if it was about you or about Dom Pacone, that you guys didn't get off to a very good start to the season, but you were scheduling teams like Auburn, Tennessee, you know, teams are really going to give you a challenge. So, like, how do you feel like those tough games kind of helped you guys get better as a whole? Yeah, it was it was definitely tough, you know, and, uh, you know, I think we were 0-13 to start the season. Um, and so we, we had started at William & Mary, and then went to South Alabama and then obviously Auburn and Tennessee. And we kind of, we kind of got the crap kicked out of us to be completely honest. And, uh, you know, it was, it was tough as like a young, you know, your first college baseball experience, like through your first 13 games, you still haven't won one. And um, it was rough, but, you know, we had, we had really good senior leadership and, and obviously we had a really good coaching staff who, you know, had our backs for the whole, whole ride there. And they just kept re reiterating to us that like, this is, you know, this is for your best interests. Like this is only going to make you guys better. Um, it sucks now, but like, this is, this is what we want. Um, so then once we got back home, you know, we, we got our first win on a walk-off grand slam against Sacred Heart. And, um, and then from there, we kind of, we kind of just rode that a little bit. Again, we, we had some more bumps in the road after that. Um, you know, lost a couple tough games, but once conference play hit, um, you know, we lost our first game of conference play. We we're on one. And then uh, we took two from Dayton. And uh, I think we only lost two conference series all year. Um, and we, we were playing really well and then got to the tournament, dropped two close games. You know, we were right there. We were hit away. But, um, you know, it was, it was really cool to see how we were able to 
kind of bounce back from that. And, and, you know, a lot of that goes out to our seniors and the older guys. They, you know, they just made sure that as young guys, we knew that like, this isn't college baseball. Like you're not going to lose every game. You know, it's, it's going to be fun. And, uh, and they were really, they were right about that, man. Cause we like, we had some really fun games and, and, you know, walk off wins and tight, you know, like strikeouts and games, things like that. And, and those are kind of what you come to appreciate. At least what I took away is that like those moments with, you know, a group of guys that you're really close with are just, are just really unforgettable. Yeah. I think one of the biggest transitions that people have going to college baseball is just the amount of games you play. And it's not that the games don't matter. It's just that like up until conference play, you know, that like winning the conference is what's going to get you in the tournament. Cause I mean, how many, how many, a 10 teams make the tournament usually, do you have to win the conference? So that's, that's kind of what goes into our, our scheduling is like, you know, we schedule those big, you know, big schools, good teams with the objective of one making us better, but two, you know, if we go in there and we win a lot of those games, it, it helps you if you don't win your conference, you know, especially for a team like us, you know, a mid-major, um, usually you do have to win the conference to get in. Um, so this year we only had one, it was VCU. Um, they actually made some noise, you know, they beat Georgia and North Carolina in the Chapel Hill regional. Um, and then I think they dropped too, but, um, you know, they were really talented. Uh, Davidson was actually the one seed. They finished the season with a, a really good record. I mean, I think they only had like 10 losses, something like that. Um, but they didn't get in that large, I think, just because of the the whole strength of schedule thing. I'm not really too sure how it works, but, you know, that's that's also why we play some of those really big schools is to, if you don't win your tournament, maybe you get in that large bid. So, Yeah, that's the best thing about college baseball is, like, just nobody knows how they pick teams. Like, you know, you, you for example, like this year, you look at Ole Miss, who I didn't even think was going to make the tournament, and next thing you know, they're holding up the trophy. Like, you see it with basketball all the time. Like, if you take any other sport and pick the top 64 teams, there's not a shot in hell that number 64 is winning. No, exactly. Exactly. And that's, you know, that's what's so awesome about it is, like, you know, Ole Miss got a bunch of crap for getting in. You know, like, they left out NC State. Uh, they left out Rutgers. You know, there was, there was big – they got a lot of heat around that, and – whether it was the right decision or not, you know, Ole Miss, they went in and they pretty much rolled through, you know, the whole NCAA tournament, which is, you know, it shows you that any team, you know, any game, anybody can win. And, and you see a lot of it in the beginning of the year is like a lot of schools from the Northeast go down to those big schools and play, you know, they play, you play like teams in the SEC and the ACC. Like there was a couple of teams that went down. I think it was uh, either – Canisius or Quinnipiac they went down to NC State like game one of the season a Friday night game like they lost on a walk-off you know and, and NC State is one of the best teams in college baseball so it's like it is you know it actually it's one of the cooler parts that I took away from college baseball is like any you know any given game these teams can you know teams that people usually sell out or you know discount against big schools is, is you can go in and win and that's that's kind of the excitement too when you go down to those big schools is like you have the opportunity to just kind of like get a statement win and it's it's really exciting. Yeah, because you guys are going down there, you know, you really got nothing to lose. Like I got a couple buddies that that play for Penn and they went down and took two out of three from Texas A and M, who ends up making the College World Series. That's that's exactly what I was like. I was trying to think who it was, but like I remember watching that being this season and I was like like, holy crap, like, Penn, Penn just beat Texas A&M twice, like, and I'm, I was like, this is before we went to Auburn and Tennessee, so I was like, what if we go down there and, like, take two out of four, like, take, like, sweep Tennessee, and obviously it didn't go that way, but, like, the thought crosses your head is, like, like, we can do this, you know, like, we can, we can compete with anybody, so. Yeah, and that's, that's absolutely the, men the mentality you got to have there, 100%. Right, I want to switch gears here and talk a little bit about making that transition from high school to college baseball. And was there anything specifically, whether mentally or physically, that kind of stood out to you as being one of the biggest challenges? I think it's a little bit of both. You know, I think on the on the mental side, you know, it's you go from it's a cliche, but you know, you go from the big guy on school and in your high school to 
you're at the bottom when you get to freshman year of college. Like, it's like, everyone's like, that's cool. Like we were all in your shoes once, you know, congratulations. You're playing college baseball. It's like, we're all here too, for a reason. So um, everybody, you know, everybody in college is, is can play ball. So you go in and you kind of have to earn your spot, which is, it can be tough mentally in the beginning, you know, like you, you have a bad day your first day and, and, you know, it's tough to be like, all right, let's come back tomorrow and just be better. Um, so that was a part that, you know, especially I was lucky enough to be playing a lot of games as a freshman and, and, you know, obviously baseball is a game of up and downs, but even more so when you play in college, like you're going to fail a lot, a lot more than you're going to succeed. And it's, you know, you're in the lineup as a young kid and you really want to do well for the guys, you know, that you're playing for. And, and when you don't do that, it can be frustrating. Um, and I, not that I struggled with it a little bit at the beginning of the season, just like, you know, like letting the lows get too low and the highs get too high, you know, you, you obviously want to avoid that. Um, but that was one of the biggest things that I learned um, as the season went on was just like, like good or bad, you just got to keep a level head, like try and stay, stay in every moment and just, you know, leave the past in the past. So that was one of the biggest things that I had to learn quickly was just like get over it and move on. And then physically, like, you know, I was lucky enough to play in a good league in high school, like the Interact. We saw tons of, of college level arms, you know, every game we were seeing, you know, upper 80s, low 90s, things like that. And so that helped me prepare a lot. Um, just being ready for mainly just, you know, you can hit high velocity fastballs when you come through seeing that. But the biggest adjustment for me was guys in college have sick off-speed pitches, like just absolutely filthy. And, um, you know, I learned that right away when we did our fall inner squads. It was like, these guys aren't going to throw you a 2-0 fastball down the middle every single time. You know, like you're going to get a change up. They're going to flip in a breaking ball. Like it's it's legit. And um, it was it was a learning process, but, you know, eventually you kind of get used to it and you just – you kind of just adapt as a hitter. Like it becomes the normal, um, the normal thing. And uh, it was good. I mean, it was, it was, uh, it was definitely an adjustment, but once you get the hang of it, it's, it's just like the same game you've been playing, you know? Yeah, man. I, I got completely dominated by that mental side of things. So my freshman year, I went to the branch school Brandywine before I started playing for the club team. And, you know, I went in off a really good senior year of high school and, and I kind of thought, not that I was going to like run the show, but kind of like that I was going to immediately have success. And I had a, it had to have been near 20 over 20 slump at some point. So like, how do you find yourself being able to stay that balanced? Yeah, I mean, you're, you're exactly right. Like it, I, you know, had the same type of thing happen to me in my first game um it was a second game at William and Mary so our second game of the season I made my first start uh I think I was hitting second and um you know first pitch I saw I hit a single and and you once you get that out of the way it's like all right like you know I belong here or whatever however you want to think about about it um and then I, I pretty much had the best game of my entire season that day I I would finish I think four from five you know a single two singles a double and a home run like my first college game. And I was like, wow, this is like, this is pretty cool. And then like the next game I'm 0 for five with three strikeouts, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's huge up and down swing. Like, I mean, I finished the year with, I think I was, I finished around 300, but like the middle of the season, like I had a rough patch where I dropped down to like 230. And, um, you know, the biggest thing for me was like, again, I had a lot of people, older guys and then coaching staff that, you know, we're always in my corner and just telling me like, like, don't let it bother you, dude. Like it's, it's, it's just a sl any other slump, you know, like everybody gets in them. And um, like, it was hard for me at first. It really was. Cause I was like, like, I, like I would think to myself, like, okay, I can't hit these guys anymore. Or like, I'm not, you know, ready to play at this level. And it's, you kind of have to learn right away that nobody feels sorry for you. You know, that's the biggest thing is like, nobody's going to be like, oh, poor guy. Like you just got, you know, a 3-2 change up down away, like good swing. But, um, you know, nobody feels sorry for you. And they tell you, you know, get back in the game and just forget about it. You know, get the next 
get the next one, want the next at bat. Um, and they stress that to me a lot, which, which really helped me. And I think by the end of the season, like that was my biggest focus was like, all right, you know, whether things go good or bad, just, you know, keep your head on straight and, and be, you know, the best teammate that you could possibly be. And, um, you know, obviously that's something that I still work on, but going through the season, that was the biggest thing that, that I started to focus on as, as it went on. Yeah, that's exactly it. And, and last week I talked to Nate Furman from uh, Bonner and UNC Charlotte, and he's up in the Cape Cod League right now. And, you know, he's playing with obviously a lot of really talented players. And he said the one thing, you know, he notices like there's no helmet slamming, there's no F-bombs, like good or bad. These guys are just like, all right, like what do I have to do next? Like let's move on. Yeah, and Nate, just for what it's worth, Nate, like Nate's one of the best players that I've ever seen. And like I've obviously one of the nicest, I'm sure you took away from too, but one of the nicest, most down-to-earth kids that you, you'll you meet. Um and I, you know, I played with him a little bit growing up and you kind of notice things from guys like that. It's like Nate has that demeanor of like a vet, you know, like he's cool. And the same thing goes here, you know, with with the Hamptons. It's not the Cape by any means, but they they stress you in the beginning, like no helmet slamming, no cursing, like like you're treated as if you're like a big league player. You know, it's like don't you know, don't act like a baby essentially. And, um, you know, they're, they're hard on that because, you know, it, it, it doesn't help anybody, you know, and you have kids in the stands, you have families here and we play a high school field. So they're right next to us, you know, like it doesn't, doesn't set a good example and it doesn't help your team. So, um, it's one of the things that I learned right away is like, you can do that. You might be able to get away with that in high school, but you know, in college, they'll put you on the bench and, and, tell you too bad don't do it again you know so it's it's important yeah it's kind of like that mutual respect you know they give you respect and they expect that respect back and you know it's completely understandable all right last thing i would like to ask you here before i let you go is what are some goals that you have both for yourself and for the team next year that you know you kind of have and you're focusing on making happen yeah so we we return a lot of our lineup you know we're going to be young next year um we return a lot of hitters and we're excited. We're, we're ready to go. You know, we, we lose a couple big arms, but we're also, you know, we're excited about the class coming in and, and reloading there. Um, we return a couple of weekend starters um, and we have some really good arms that are from my class. So they will be sophomores. So we're really excited. I mean, obviously the goal is to win an eight ten championship. Um, you know, that's the first goal. And then from there, you know, you try and win a regional and, and, and win a super regional and obviously make it to Omaha. That's it's every college kid's dream. But you know, we 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 want to win an eight ten championship, and we think we can we can do. You know, we have no doubts that we can do that. Um, we have a lot a lot of really good hitters coming back, and you know, our pitching was good last year and should be good again. So you know, we're excited to get back up to campus. You know, we talk a lot as a group. Um, just really, really ready to get back up there and start working towards, you know, winning, winning a conference championship. And, and that's our ultimate goal, you know, for the time being. And we think there's, there's, you know, if we play our game of baseball, um, we have every right to be in that championship game at the end of the season. So um, obviously you don't get too big before the season starts, you know, you have to start, start in the fall and, and work up from there. But, you know, we're really excited with what, what we have coming back next year. And it's, and it's funny that for a school hundreds of miles away, there's a lot of Delco on this team. Cause you got you, you got Don Pacone and you got this guy, Michael Anderson is coming next year from Bonner. So it's kind of funny how that worked out. Yeah. So Pacone, Pacone was great for us this year. Um, I actually, I didn't know him too well until I got up to campus. Um, and obviously he played at Garnet Valley. Um, so I, you know, we kind of just bonded over that in the beginning. It's like, yo, another Delco guy. And uh, the team, you know, they all they all hear it too. They're like, you know, they make fun of the accent and they're like, yo, this guy's from Delco. Like, you know, you get that, you get that even even at a place like Rhode Island, which is really, it's really funny. And it's, it's cool for us because like, you know, oh, other people hear about this stuff too. But uh, Dom and I became really close and, uh, you know, he's a heck of a player. 
Um, and not only that, he's just a really good guy. Um, so that's how that's all somebody say. Bring him on if you can at some point. Uh, yeah, I've heard from a lot of people that he's a character, so I think I might have to do that. He's a personality. Um, so, yeah, he you might have to uh, cut out a couple of things he said, but he'll he'll be, you know, he'll give you some entertainment. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Mike coming in next year, I actually know Mike a little bit better. Um, he's a beast. You know, he's he works really hard. Um, and they're excited for him to get up to campus, too. So it's uh, it's really exciting. It's good. It's it's great to have some some Delco representation up there. So Mike's playing for the old Mudcats this summer. Are you making a late season return or what? I, you know, I, I want to. Uh, we'll see how I'm feeling at the end of this season. Um, you know, I almost, I kind of want to, I'm balancing a little bit between like I've been playing for a long time now, like coming straight from the college season and wanting a break. And also like, I love playing in Delco league. Like I know my, my, I'm really good friends with Jimmy Kirk. I know whenever he's home, he just tries to get in whatever game he can. And, you know, he's crazy about that in a good way. You know, Jimmy, Jimmy wants to play every day and, and that's what makes him so good. But, you know, I love playing against guys, guys from home and, and playing against, just a lot of the high school kids too, because you like, I've been really impressed, like just from watching social media and like following from up here, like, like baseball and in, in Delco, just like, it, it seems like it just keeps reloading, you know, like, like I thought we were really good. And then I see like Bonner this year and I'm like, whole like, holy smokes. Like those, they got, they got a really good lineup. And even like, I just saw you just post about it. Like, um, what's his name? Johnny big old, Yep, Johnny Gonzalez, 49 years old. Johnny Gonzalez, because I do, I, like I said, I used to catch, and he would do, he would be behind the plate for a ton of my games. And, and then I would see him like two days later playing at O'Hara. He'd come in, Johnny come in, close the game. And I'm like, oh, like this guy's having the time of his life out there. And it's, that's one of the coolest things about the Delco League that I, you know, tell people when they ask me, like, what's that? It's like, it's like, yeah, you'll see, you know, you'll see a, a high school kid or a college guy early in the game. That's like 88, 91. And then, and then you see Johnny Gonzalez come in at the end uh, to close it out. So it's, I love that. And, and I loved playing for the, both the, I played for the Black Sox my first year. And then I played for the Cats last year and uh, it was pretty sweet. So I, I might pop in for a game or two. We'll see what happens. Yeah. And, you know, promoting it, the Delco league is a big reason why I started all this to begin with. Cause you know, my ankle is still so messed up that pretty much all I really do is go to Wayne games home with now and then go lift. So this all pretty much started just out of boredom, but it was, it was something where I realized like when I was writing those articles back in the spring, like people really enjoyed them. So I started to think maybe if I would do interviews so people could actually like, you know, hear their voices and whatnot, what they have to say that it would be received well. Yeah, and, and I think, you know, credit to you and, and a ton of people appreciate that. Like, I love following it. I love hearing from, you know, guys that I played with growing up or, you know, guys that I've heard their name younger than me. And, um, you know, it's it's really good because the talent is is unbelievable in, in like such a small radius. You know, there's so many kids that can just ball and, um, you know, seeing it every week, like just from my perspective, like during the college season, I was able to see what other guys were doing and, and how kids that I knew were doing. So, um, you know, I think I speak for a lot of people as like a, a thank you to you for doing this. And, you know, we love reading it and watching it and, and it's great what you're doing for baseball and in, in our community. I appreciate that, man. Thank you. And thank you again for taking the time after the game to come on the show. It's good talking to you. Of course, man. Anytime. And, uh, you know, I really appreciate the opportunity. So thank you. Yeah, definitely. Definitely should catch up before the next Rhode Island season. And if you do make it to a Delco League game uh, against Wayne, that's who I'm with now. I was on Upper Darby last year, but with Wayne now, I'll be the kid limping around the dugout. So uh, just stop by. All right. I'll, I'll be on the lookout. I will say, though, if I do come back and play, I'll try and avoid playing against Wayne because it looks like they're the powerhouse this year. So, Yeah, it's been a fun year, man. All right. Take care. Yeah. See you, Brandon. Thank you.
All right, thank you once again to Eric Genther for joining the show today. Had a lot of fun talking to him, just hearing about how that transition went for him. And, you know, really, really good season for him. He was on the A-10 all-rookie team, you know, had a nice summer playing in the Hamptons. So looking forward to see what he can do during that sophomore season at Rhode Island. All right, that'll bring an end to Episode 5 of Delco Baseball Now. I appreciate everybody taking the time to listen to me ranting about random baseball things. It's uh, it's kind of funny that, you know, people people actually uh, care what I have to say, which is, you know, something that I wouldn't say I'm not used to, but not having anybody to actually listen to me talk about this kind of stuff for a long period of time. And uh, it's, it's, it's pretty great, you know, to be able to have that. So I, I really do appreciate everyone taking the time to listen. And we got another good week of interviews coming up. I will be at that Big 26 showcase. So uh, next weekend, I might be a little bit busy, but, you know, it's, uh, it's just the grind of the summer. All right, see you guys.